Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner. Lisa and Diana have the podcast off today. So we've talked a fair bit in past UX Soup episodes about self-driving cars. We've had an episode looking at consumer-oriented vehicles, one on accessibility issues with automated vehicles, and most recently one on issues with motion sickness when riding in an AV. Today we wanted to cover the topic of autonomous vehicles in the commercial space. So self-driving delivery vehicles, drones, long-haul trucking, those kinds of use cases. To help us break this down, Want to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Myra Blanco from the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute. Myra is currently the Director of Advancement Partnerships and Outreach at VTTI and has over two decades of experience in conducting human factors research in the automotive space, with much of that focused on automated vehicles. Myra, welcome to UX Soup. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you for joining us. So. For those that might not be as familiar with self-driving cars in the commercial space, I mentioned some of the use cases like uh, long-haul truck drivers, have those trucks be automated, uh, drone delivery, which I know has been tested out in Blacksburg, Virginia, as well as a few other places, and local self-driving car delivery. Can you just kind of give our listeners a bit about what the current state of the art is in this space? I think it's it's an amazing uh, field to be uh, working at right now. All these different sources of of mobility and and increasing kind of the reach of what we can provide as a service or as a good is is going to help us. There's a lot of research and development happening. And we have been uh, very fortunate to do a lot of that here at, at VTTI. Uh, we work into one of the original pilots of the project wing, which was uh, drone delivery. We did that here on the smart road facility. And now that has become a bigger pilot actually uh, here in the in the New River ba- Valley. Um, traditionally, we have also other more surface transportation related analysis and, and, and investigations as well as, as deployments that that we work with uh, both on the private industry as well as together with with the government so one of the great resources that we've had are partnerships that that we developed to look at this systems as as independent evaluators so and understanding uh, how we do uh, this developments and and how they are uh, evolving. Currently, uh, there's a lot of uh, deployments. These are mainly research uh, and, and development. There's no vehicles right now for sale uh, in, the, in this uh, field. And, and it's more of a, of a marathon that is sprint. We're trying to ensure that both industry and and government are are doing due diligence in the in the evaluation of of this system. So a lot happening, but as I mentioned, it's it's a progression and an, an evolution, and we're in the middle of that evolution yeah. process. 
So we have talked on this podcast before about self-driving cars and accessibility issues with it, you know, being able to help elderly drivers or elderly consumers get around when they might have mobility issues. How do you see this commercial implementations of self-driving cars? How can that be kind of a, an equity equalizer? It is a, an amazing way for us to coming out of a pandemic. I think it's, it's very clear to, to people, the need for be able to, to have things delivered. Uh, and not only for uh, those of us that might be in the middle of town or in a city, but also thinking about more rural areas, how they're able to uh, have those deliveries done, and uh, not only for food, for example, medications, other things that they might need that if they are not don't have the privilege, if you will, of, of driving, uh, how they can receive those benefits in an equal manner as those of us that are able to have a, a store close by or a pharmacy uh, close by. So the idea of this uh, vehicles is that we are able in a shortage, which we're going through of people that are able to provide services uh, for those of us that that go out and to restaurants we're we're starting to see that shortage of of service and and people how can we assist others by taking full advantage of this technology and making those those deliveries uh and also depending on on the level of of advancement of that technology it could also serve for example as a backup ensuring that that the driver is taking the correct route is able to to understand the circumstances of what is going through so there's multiple types of technologies and creating the perfect situation and pairing the technology with the need is probably where we're going to be creating that equalizing force. So one of the interesting things that I've seen uh, in this space would be uh, drone delivery. And I mentioned that that's happening. The pilot programs have been happening down in Blacksburg by Virginia Tech, uh, where their drones are delivering food orders and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about some of the human factors, user experience issues, either from the drone operator side or the person receiving side that that would be interesting. I think there's there's human factors, and my, I might be biased <laughs> aspects in, in in all of it uh, from the controls on how you're able to ensure that the apparatus is is actually working uh, properly to how the person, the the end user of that uh, service, is able to to put an order, place the order, understand what they, they're requesting. And, and we think about uh, us that might be what I call more, more technology natives, but we need to, to also think about uh, those te technology immigrants that potentially, if you think about cases of aging in, in place, you want to ensure those people that potentially might be your, your technology immigrants to be able to take full advantage of this, to be able to get their medications on time. Uh, and you start thinking even more long-term how this uh, 
this services might might help other areas uh, in the middle of a natural disaster um, from a, a small island uh, in uh, in Puerto Rico. And uh, we, during natural disasters uh, in the last big hurricane that we had, there were weeks that uh, no transportation was able to, to circulate the, the island. Um, if a person needs medication and needs something, think of a hospital uh, law to be able to be transferred from one location to another. Those are uh, services that we want available. Yeah. You, you don't have the conditions to send people uh, that are safe to, to transit and during those situations, but you might even be able to use these technologies right. to still help yeah, you others. Might, you might get the supplies into the airport, but the roads might be out. And so for weeks, yes. so you you need to be able to get medications, food and other supplies to, to others. And you don't want to put people in harm's way. Uh, to be able to provide help to others. So you're able to do that through other technology means. So what, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast with our clients with regards to self-driving vehicles of any kind is has to do with testing and what kind of testing is done and how open the testing is, how open the testing results are. Um, from your perspective, whether it be uh, a, a commercial uh, truck long haul truck vehicle or a drone or a local delivery vehicle what are you seeing in terms of how self-driving testing is being done uh companies internally are developing their own uh test programs we've been very fortunate to collaborate with many um, manufacturers suppliers as well as technology companies to assist with this process and we have multiple research studies with the federal government looking at different uh, potential scenarios how those are selected uh with the thought as we move forward Obviously, we want to have a more standardized manner of, of testing. Uh, right now, uh, each organization develops their, their own testing depending on the use case that they are um, they're focusing on. Certainly, there's not a one-size-fits-all uh, situation, and, and we need to focus on what is the best set of situations and tests and scenarios for the particular use case long term those might be more common M multiple organizations might have similar use cases and you can start grouping them and trying to create something more standardized through different uh, organizations that are looking at how can we collectively put all that inside that knowledge into something that would help not only industry but also the government when you have companies kind of doing their own testing and setting their own test methodologies to see how how well their own systems work um yeah that that could certainly be ripe for a few little bits of chicanery or something like that but also it'll just setting tests up toward the strengths of what you have is is mm -hmm. certainly uh there could be some some bias in that as well um, but it takes a long time also to then get standards set up to have some kind of independent organization do that. How do you see this kind of playing out? Is it possible for 
standards organizations to keep up with advancements in technology? I think it's it's a it's something that we all have to collaborate and the beauty of organizations that serve as a, an independent evaluator helps also with that process. What we uh, do a lot is that uh, at BGTI is the collaboration of looking at what industry needs and ensuring that safety is, is taken as the first step. Um, Organizations internally, obviously, they have experts in, in many areas, but it's also good to have that independent evaluation. We are in a um, in an evolution manner where the more eyes that you have looking at a problem internally, uh, the better it is, uh, but also having an external group assisting with that process can be very beneficial. Um, for the organization, not only to be able to understand other aspects and other perspectives, but sometimes it's very hard for us for something that we have developed and nourished and, and see it grow to be able to see room for improvement. So that's uh, that room for improvement. Sometimes it's easier to to highlight when when it's not your baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. I wanted to uh, dig a little deeper into one of the other use cases for commercial AVs, and that would be long-haul trucking. So earlier on in the history of, of self-driving cars, this is one of the, the big use cases of, hey, we'll have convoys of self-driving long-haul trucks just you know, with each other, and it'll, it'll save money, it'll save time, because we don't have to deal with driver hours and all of that. And, you know, obviously, we're still not at that point yet. Well, I guess, first, where is that part of the industry, the long-haul trucking part? Are we at a point where that we might see that in the next X number of years? I think probably any type of, of fleet, if you will, where you have a little bit more control about the, the route, um, either a commercial vehicle, a delivery, or more of a service where where the organization the fleet the operator has more control over what is done and how it's done it has the potential to evolve quick quicker why because you're able to put uh, the system through certain tests in a specific route and and evolve that quicker than when you're trying to do a route or a delivery or a process that is more dictated by by the end user the owner of of that vehicle is if we're able to concentrate the development through certain routes through certain processes uh, we're able to to advance that technology quicker so if we go with that premise that uh, having more dedicated routes more starting smaller and and through certain points uh, might help us advance a little bit quicker then when you look at those commercial vehicles, those dedicated routes, that presents a, a, a quicker potential evolution and more benefits to be able to alleviate. Once again, we're talking about all the shortage from, from food to different services, just 
came out of uh, of lunch and and the restaurant hasn't been able to get the deliveries mm -hmm. for for the week so we're talking about supplementing uh those routes helping ensure that those medications those services are happening quicker and we can learn a lot through those dedicated routes so if let's for instance take the the long haul use case where normally you would have a truck driver that would be able to drive for x number of hours and then they have to rest in an av scenario you know the truck could technically really just kind of go if there's no driver but in those situations would you see a situation where you could have that kind of long haul trucking without a driver or do we need a driver there to make sure that in case something goes wrong and if so then what is that driver doing most of the time <laughs> what kind of what does that look like so for potentially short term and, and for the foreseeable uh, future, uh, you're going to, to need somebody. Once again, we're in that evolution in that development process. So a, a, a test driver is, is probably always going to, to be needed until you're further down that, that marathon route. Um, but think about how things evolve. Um, and there's a lot of, of services that would need somebody. Think of a, a big vehicle. You might need somebody to take uh, the information to the restaurant and say, hey, here are your goods, and I'm going to help you uh, unload the, the vehicle. Uh, there might be other tasks that could be done in, in the cab to alleviate. There's a lot of aspects, too, that involve policy and and we're not there yet for example you mentioned hours of service regulations we have done a lot of research uh in the past on hours of service regulations the importance of those rest breaks and and other aspects related to to routes um so we need to understand what are the implications on policy for this technology to move forward and uh who will be uh, the driver at any point in time, depending on the technology. So we have a lot of big, big policy questions to, to answer ahead. Finally, what do you think is the, the biggest roadblock in standing in the way of, of commercial self-driving vehicles? Is it the technology itself? Is it infrastructure? Is it policy? Is it we need more human factors research? <laughs> Well, you're always going to hear me say yeah. that we need more human factors <laughs> <laughs> research, but I think it's a, it's a combination uh, of different aspects. Definitely uh, the evolution of, of technology, uh, that, that perception and understanding what you're, uh, what you're able to see, what you're not able to see, uh, the information that you're getting and when are you getting it and how you put all that together. It, there's still a lot of, of great research to be done with sensors. All this uh, new deployments that you see, they tend to, and rightfully so, start in an environment that is uh, less, less volatile, less change, it changes less because you need that constant to be able to evolve your system with something that uh, stays the same. But think about uh, benefits of 
this technology in really adverse weather conditions. We're going to have to understand how to do uh, that testing and how to evaluate the sensors and the technology under really adverse conditions. So that part of, of the evolution process continues and new testing will come to ensure that the sensors are there. The policy side, uh, as we alluded to, is very important as well. We want to ensure there's no uh, roadblocks that artificially would create or hinder the innovation process. But at the same time, we want to be safe and ensure the steps are put in place for, for the technology to evolve safely and for people to be able to gain access uh, to it, that it should be, as we talk about it, the great equalizer, not to allow some, some people to, uh, to take advantage of it and others to not be able to to use it because of their situation or their knowledge or how uh, adapt they are to, to technology. All right, well, I think we'll end it there. Myra, thank you so much for joining us. Been wanting to have you on the podcast since since we started it. So thank you for, for making the time for us. Thank you for inviting me. It's an amazing topic and uh, happy to be here and come back as needed. <laughs> All right, thank you, Myra. Take care. Well, if you'd like to chat more about self-driving cars or automotive user experience, or to send us any questions you may have, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes on our podcast website, ux-soup.com, have links to our recent research on self-driving vehicles. And there you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and the smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. <laughs>